0: there's nowhere I would rather be than in God's uh, house on on, uh, Father's Day, and uh, sorry for moving your stuff around there, Um, and opening God's Word with God's people, singing uh, hymns together with you all has uh, already been very special. And then to have my family, to all three of my daughters here, my wife, my son-in-law, Uh, The Word of God opening before and with you guys, there's nothing more special. So if you would take your Bibles, we're going to need that, and turn to page 465 in the red ones that are there, or Proverbs 23 that Alina just read for us. We're going to dive in to talking about what our Heavenly Father is on Father's Day. And we're going to head into this idea of the fact that Fortunately, and because of God's blessing, the feeble faith of any of our fathers is not all we have. I'm very, very thankful for that. The main point that I would like you to grasp today that I've been praying about, that God has been gripping my heart about, and as I open his word, as he begins to he speaks to me about, is that God's plan is not is not only for imperfect dads to point us to a perfect heavenly father, but also that he alone is the only father that we need. And only he can satisfy our needs. So when we look at God, we see the imperfections of our fathers. We see the imperfections of our mothers. And those things do not define our heavenly father. You know how that's a confusing thing for some people sometimes. When we talk about our dads, we say, well, if that's how God is, if that's what my dad is like, then I don't want to have anything to do with the heavenly father. It's actually just the opposite for us in scripture, isn't it? The heavenly father then redeems, he, he transforms, he changes with a miracle of the cross of Jesus Christ, our father's imperfections, and he works through them to do a transforming work in our life. I miss my dad today. It's been four years since he's been gone father's day i used to talk to him every day then he passed away he was an imperfect guy i remember um at the funeral my sister leaned over to me and said you know we're going they're going past us as they go through the line of greeting my myself and my sister and she said who are all these people saying these nice things about who is this person that they're talking about? Because there's just over and over again all these wonderful things. And obviously, we love our dad. But he wasn't in, as good in our minds as a lot of people had in, in, his, in, in their minds of my dad. Where we're headed today is the bottom of your sheet here. When you look, you'll see a verse of Scripture. And it says, "As A, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows... God in his holy dwelling. We're headed there and we're going to land this plane. We're going to fill in these blanks at the bottom of your little sheet here. But we're going to take a little trajectory to get there. And we're going to look at the fact that Jesus points to God as, as his heavenly father in all perfection. Here's an interesting thing. In the book of Proverbs, of father, fathers or dads are mentioned about 27 times. Okay, I counted them. That's okay. So we can find them about 27 times. Here's something that you might be surprised about. In those times that it mentions father, it never says, here's what a dad is supposed to do. Now, over and over again in Proverbs, it tells fathers and mothers how to be parents. It tells fathers how to be a good father. But here's an interesting thing. Every time the word father is used, it talks about how kids are supposed to respond to their fathers. Okay, How kids are supposed to act around our fathers. And so when we think about that we're going to look at this proverb here we're going to be thinking about the fact that we have imperfect fathers that an imperfect father wrote this scripture and he's teaching us God is teaching us through him what are we supposed to learn about that In Proverbs here here's a very interesting question that I've got to is sort of put on you before we get too far. In Proverbs 23:24 it says this, it says, "The father of a righteous child has great joy." Well, how does a how does a right how does a father get a righteous child? It's the same way that a father becomes righteous. So we see there that imperfect children can be made righteous and imperfect fathers are righteous in Christ, and we 're going to be talking a lot about what is this idea of God transforming our hearts through Christ so that we can have what God wants and we can look at Him as our heavenly Father. One day, a pastor was preaching, he finished his sermon, and an older gentleman came up and stood. And told a story and the story went like this that there were um, uh, a father and a son and a friend out boating and as they were out boating this uh, father and son and and a storm came and there were many problems as they were out actually in the ocean and the boat capsized. And so the boat capsized, and the father was able to to be near the boat, but the two boys were out in the deeps in the depth and the father was as the boat was completely turned over, the father was looking everywhere, what can I do, and how can I get, how can I help the boys and he He was hanging on for dear life, and he found one lifeline he found one lifeline, and there were two boys, and they were distance and yards and yards apart and he had one lifeline one was his son that he had grown he had raised up and you you know where this is going don't you he had raised this boy up and this boy was a follower of christ and the other one was his son's friend a, a person he's pouring into but this young man had not professed faith in jesus christ and so you know what the father did don't you He took the lifeline, the one lifeline, and he put through it to the boy who had not received Christ. Pulling him in, he watched his son go down for the last time. And he said, just before, I love you, son. I love you. That's the point. That's the story of God, isn't it? God is here doing his work in our lives He's doing his work in this world. And he gave his son so that he could do that. And here today and in this moment, he's throwing each of us a lifeline. Because his son went down. His son went down for you. His son went down for me. And the point of the text of scripture that we're in today is to see that you and I can be made righteous in Christ Jesus. The same way that our earthly heavenly fathers can be made in their imperfections made righteous through the cross and the work of Jesus Christ. So would you pray with me that we will, that God will accomplish this in us today? Oh oh God, we look at this scripture and we see righteousness. Would you do righteousness in your people here today? Would you minister the grace through the word of God and speak to us from the power of God? And because of your amazing goodness through Jesus Christ, allow us to receive a lifeline, receive the lifeline. Because Jesus went down, because he suffered, because he died in our place. Would you allow us to understand that you are a father to the fatherless? My dad's gone. Each person in here has an imperfect father. And you are the father that comes into that place. You are the father, the heavenly father, the perfect father that comes into that place to fulfill and minister needs in your their lives where their fathers failed them. And you're the heavenly father that comes in to father's lives, to us dads here. And redeems and forgives and restores and heals and blesses. We pray that we would be able to grasp this word and understand it and believe it and receive it. Would you help us in Jesus name? Amen. I want to tell you a tale of two dads. The first dad led a godly life until he made it big. And then he sort of lost it near the end. He made this business deal with an ungodly entity. Somewhere in there where his insatiable appetite for women took him over. And women he had. Maybe one different one every night. World-renowned intelligent, rich, and wildly popular women just couldn't help themselves. Even young women's mothers, they would throw their beauty queen daughters to him just with the hope that maybe she, their daughter, could become one of his, even just one of his, or maybe his. Rumor has it that at the end of his life, he repented just before he died. Some of his journal notes clearly Demonstrate that he was perpetually unsatisfied with all of his endeavors. Even all the women. But he hinted that there's something greater. Some satisfaction that is above this life. He left with the idea that he did repent. He did turn and he did trust the Lord before it was too late. The second dad led a godly life too. He was very famous through military leadership. He worshiped God and he had a wonderful family. He led worship. He wrote songs in a midlife crisis, however, he committed adultery. And through his connections, he had the husband of this woman shipped off. Finally, in the end, he did repent and he did begin to seek God. He sought God with all of his heart. When he died, everyone knew and even the minister said that he is in heaven with God. Although he became and he was a very godly leader. He provided and he provided lavishly for his children. He was a horrible dad. He was a pitiful father. People said that he never once even disciplined his own children. He didn't even ask them. He didn't even say, hey, hey. Why are you doing that? He didn't even go to them and say, what gives here? Why are you acting in this way? He avoided family conflict like the plague. One of his sons killed a half brother and, and, and this dad didn't even go visit that son. He died when he died. His entire family split apart and there was family feud for years. You know that those two dads lived The first dad is Solomon. King Solomon, the guy whose words we just read. He wrote part of the Bible. Are you serious? This imperfect person did that? The second dad is David. Remember what God said about King David? He is a man after my own heart. Any dads all of a sudden got a little hope here? little bit of hope guys you know there's some hope for us we with god's help he can move in and fill up those those spots or, or the other thought i had is if you're if you're thinking wow my dad's really not that bad i thought he was kind of pitiful but maybe he's not all that bad you have king solomon he wrote letters over and over again. You know how he started the book of Proverbs, right? Last week you saw from what Pastor Ben talked about, about that, didn't he? He said, my son, he starts with my son. I want, I want the instructions to my son and he, and he brings it. Solomon wrote thousands of Proverbs and we just have a, we just have a few of them. This guy knew about botany. He knew about astronomy. He was, he was the wisest man in the world, King Solomon. Remember when God came to him and said, ask me, he was a brand new king after David had died. David, his father, the second dad, had died. And God said, ask me for whatever you want. And King Solomon said, can I have some wisdom? I don't quite know what I'm doing here. I don't know how to lead these people. And so God says, because you didn't ask for, for riches, I'm going to give you riches and wisdom. Because you didn't ask for power, I'm going to give you power and wisdom. And because you didn't ask for fame, I'm going to give you fame and I'm going to give you wisdom with that to do what you need to do. And he wrote, with God's inspiration, Song of Solomon. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And we are the glorious recipients today of amazing wisdom through an imperfect guy. Because why? Because God is perfect. Our heavenly father is perfect. What, what about David? Almost all of the Psalms are written by David. This guy who had he had an affair and he had this guy killed. He threw him out. He was the first king of Israel. You know, David was known as never taking revenge on anyone. In fact, um, right up until he died, he, he did actually. Right on his deathbed, he said, hey, Solomon, here's some great things for you. Here's how to be a king. First, read the Bible every day. He said, open the law, the Torah of the Old Testament. Read it every day. Listen to it. Follow what it says. And then he said, hey, and by the way, and this I'm reading this the other day. I'm thinking, this is a great, like, leadership. This is the way to be a dad. And then, and then David says to Solomon, hey, there's a few guys that caused me trouble. Could you, could you have them? Taken out. When he says, could you give that one guy a bloody death? That's what David said in his in the end. Imperfect guys. We got hope, fathers. We got, there's hope for your dad out there too, okay? We have hope because, why? Because God, the heavenly father, is coming in to fill in where we can't do it. Where we have messed up. And don't forget, God says about David, he was a man after my own heart. Why? Not because he was perfect, not because he had it all figured out, but because he repented of his sins and he turned to the Lord over and over and over again. I've written for you a verse from Proverbs fifteen five there in your in your um, on your sheet, I think it's up here, Proverbs 15, 5, it says, A fool despises his father's instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. So the idea is that we learn from our father's wisdom. Now, this passage of Scripture is particularly hurtful to me, a little bit painful to me, because my dad, over and over again, quoted from Proverbs 15. And first of all, verse one It's verse one. That's not talking about fathers, but it says this. It says um, it says uh, uh, a soft answer turns away wrath. My dad was the most harsh guy that I know. He was just belligerent, just over the top harsh. How do you you stand up on Father's Day and do this? You know what I mean? Is this okay? I'm trying to honor my dad, but, but I'm also trying to be really honest with you guys. Here he is, and he's quoting Proverbs 15, 1, And I'm, I'm reading about a father in Proverbs 15, over verse 5, verse 15. I'm reading these things. And I'm, I'm kind of blown away by the fact that my dad used this verse to talk to me about it, but he never once lived it out. Never. I don't remember him being gentle, ever. He has five grand- granddaughters, and they would all agree. What about me? How should my kids, how should these beautiful girls, my son-in-law, how should they hear my instructions? I'm a lot like my, like my dad. Praise God for some transformation and for work of grace in my life. How should your family hear you? What do you do? How does it, how does it flood in in your life when you are like my dad? Or you're like King David or you're like Solomon. One year before my dad died, he shared something with me. It was a crisis. It was a critical time in his life when he was 16 years old. Something that literally happened to him. And I thought to myself, now I get it. It was five years ago. Now, now it makes sense. Now it's clear. Look around the room. Who? Uh, I pray that nothing like happened to my dad happened to any of us here. But I tell you what, something has happened to each one of you, hasn't it? And can we give each other some of that compassion, some of that understanding, some of that grace to receive from the Lord what he's speaking to you through imperfect dads, imperfect fathers, imperfect parents? Because God speaks through us, you know, you know what my dad always used to say. He said it jokingly, but he said, "Don't do as I do; do as I say." Have you thought about that? Doesn't that sound horrible? And yet, isn't that's what Solomon is saying? He's not, you know. In fact, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is, "Hey, I tried." I tried wealth. I tried building. I tried women. I tried food. I tried everything. And guess what? Don't do that. It doesn't work. Don't do as I do. Did do, certainly don't do as I did. Do as I say. That's the that's the point. I failed. I made mistakes. And dads, you know, we raise your hand if you're a perfect dad. Okay, so we're not here. And so what has happened is, is that God comes in to fill that spot and to minister to kids, to minister to us and through us. I want to give you some hope, because in this passage of Scripture, there are three truths about our heavenly father that I want you to grasp a hold of. First truth is from Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Let me read the verse again. Listen to your father who gave you light and do life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. By the way, if you're looking in the Red Bible, it's four sixty five. So we want your eyes on this passage of Scripture. Here's the truth. God, the Heavenly Father, gave us life through imperfect earthly fathers and mothers, so that He will be our ultimate life and perfection. He gave us physical life, and he's willing, he's ready to give us spiritual life. Right here at the end of the book of Proverbs, we see this, these 30 sayings, so to speak. There are 30 sayings going on from Proverbs 22 through 24. And right in the middle of that, the overriding principle here in the middle of this is, Obey your fathers. And there are no caveats There are no disclaimers. There are no, there's there's no fine print there. It just says, obey your dads. Listen to what your dad has to say. And it's coming right out of the, of scriptures. Solomon compiles these proverbs. I don't know if he wrote them all in this section, but he compiles these proverbs. Why does he do that? Because God starts in Exodus chapter 20. With the Ten Commandments, right? Remember the fourth commandment? It's that one, guys. It's the one that we're talking about today. Honor your father and your mother. Yeah, honor your father and your mother. It's, you're going to have a long life if you do that. You're going you're to have a long life. In fact, later in the New Testament, that's quoted where it says, hey, it's the first commandment that has a promise with it. And the promise is, you obey your father, you honor your father and mother, you will have a long life. What, is it, what does it mean to honor? Well, it certainly doesn't mean to obey when they tell you to dishonor God. That trumps everything, doesn't it? Honoring our parents means respect. Can you get your head around respect? Can you get your head around, they've messed up up just like my dad and something happened to my dad something's happened to you something's happened to your dad and you we are all in pain but that doesn't take away honor your father and your mother in ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 paul the apostle says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right now there's a caveat There's this disclaimer, and it's in the Lord. And Proverbs is in the Lord. The Bible is in the Lord. But the people, the dads, are imperfect. Why? So that we can look to a perfect heavenly father in Proverbs chapter 23 that we're looking at right before this little section in verse 19 through 21 it says it's talking about drunkenness and gluttony so this like this context of this whole type of thing and so Solomon is Solomon is saying to his son don't be a drunkard and don't be a glutton but he he, he was that guy He did it right. Ecclesiastes. You guys have read this. You know, you've read you've read Song of Solomon all about sex and all that stuff. He was that guy. He was a drunken mess. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Why? Because wisdom is personified. Wisdom, our wisdom, living it out, personifies God's commandments. It personifies, it lives out the truth of Scripture. There's a second truth about our Heavenly Father. It's in Proverbs chapter 23, and I'm going to read 22 and 23 together so that you get the feel, the force of this, okay? Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Here is the second truth about our heavenly father. God, the heavenly father, gives us truth. He gives us instruction, wisdom from listening to imperfect fathers so that he will be our perfect wisdom. That's the truth about God last week from Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, probably the, the verse of scripture throughout Proverbs are sort of the, the commanding idea of the whole book of Proverbs is chapter one, verse seven. That's where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, then it says this, um, it says fools find it here, but fools despise discipline. So, fearing the Lord is welcoming discipline. Not fearing the Lord is is being unteachable. Is not receiving discipline from your parents. From your imperfect parents. From God. So, Solomon. So, we see here is this idea. The whole book of Proverbs is built around this personification of wisdom. Because now... We live out the commands of God. And now in Proverbs, we're pointing to someone who lives them out perfectly. Why? Because we can't live them out perfectly. And so it's pointing to Jesus Christ. And in fact, the, in Second in Corinthians, in, in a few short verses, it mentions this word wisdom. It mentions it 14 times in 26 verses. And it's all about Jesus. In fact, it says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Jesus has become to us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. What's the point of that? The point of that is Jesus is this wisdom here. So when I buy the truth, I am receiving Jesus. I am selling everything, and I am buying, I'm giving it up because of my greatest treasure, and that's Jesus Christ, my Savior and my God. What it's saying here is do not do not sell it keep wisdom instruction and insight as well and in doing that and not despising what my what my father has given me i receive and i believe and i am trusting in Jesus Christ Do you see what God has done He's thrown you that lifeline and he's let his son Die, Because in the book of Proverbs here, where this truth is pointing to, this truth is all about Jesus, who's the coming, living out of that wisdom that we have the hope for and that we can receive. Contrast getting and dispersing. Keeping the truth means that we sell foolishness. Selling the truth means that we buy foolishness. See that contrast you get to sell foolishness and buy truth or you get to buy truth or I think you know what I mean you can't have them both so that's hard to hard to say together but you understand the idea we're keeping truth is selling foolishness selling truth is buying foolishness we don't want to do that the third the third truth about God, our Heavenly Father, is in Proverbs 23, 24, and 25. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. God, the Heavenly Father, gives joy to imperfect fathers through righteous children that is just an amazing thought to me that god wants to give joy to imperfect people whether they're dads or whether they're children and he does uh, you you might remember the verse in third john you remember in the old in the new testament way in the back there's first john second john third john there's If you go too fast skimming your Bible there, you won't even find it. It's only a page long. But you know what John says? He says, it gives me no greater joy to know that my children are walking with the Lord. And he's referring to his spiritual children. This This is the passage of Scripture here that is talking about what God does a transformational work in my life. And my dad is happy about that, even though he's imperfect, even though he was harsh. God does a transformational life work in my kids lives and God's brings joy to my heart and to my wife's heart, to our lives and to our family. In Romans chapter eight, verse twenty nine, it says this, it says that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers. So it's like he's he's the son of God, right? And now what happens for us is when we receive the truth of Jesus Christ, we also become a son of the Heavenly Father. We're not born sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. We are made sons and daughters through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. So you see what happened for Jesus? He was always with God. He was always of God. But he becomes for us now the firstborn among many brothers. And when we receive the lifeline, when we receive the righteousness of God in Christ, when we trust in him, our father's holy heavenly wisdom, we become a child of God. And it doesn't matter where you've been. The story that you think of from the New Testament is a prodigal son, don't you? You remember that story, how that the son left everything that he had, all of the blessings and the safety and the security, and he ditched it all. He took his inheritance and he left to our country and he spent it on wild living. That's what it says. He threw it away. And that prodigal son, God spoke to him, just like he's speaking to some of you right here, right now, today. Just like he's speaking to me in my life and my opportunity to receive more of him and depend more upon him yesterday and last week. And he when I confessed my sins to him, he forgave me and he wants to do that for you. He's doing that for each one of us right here and right now today. We have the opportunity to receive more of him, to believe in him more and to trust in him more. Think about it this way. Happiness for everyone comes from the inside out. Okay? It starts with the fear of the Lord in the depths of our heart and results in sobriety, discipline, teachability, righteousness, and sexual purity. I mentioned sexual purity because right after these verses in Proverbs 23, verse 26... Solomon, the guy with all the women, writes this. My son, give me your heart and let not your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithfulness among men. What he's saying is, he says, I tried that. It doesn't work. There's no joy there. But if we understand that happiness begins in our heart and God transforms our heart, no matter what's happened to us, by us or from other people, we can receive him. Proverbs chapter three, verse 12 is in your is in your passage here. It says the Lord reproves him. He loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And you and I have the opportunity to receive that reproval. We have that opportunity to receive that discipline. Not only are we supposed to learn from our imperfect fathers, but our perfect heavenly father uses those imperfect fathers to discipline us. Though they are flawed, like my dad, hurt and in pain. But God doesn't stop there. He sends his own son. To receive the punishment that each one of us should receive. And our dads deserve it too, don't they? Don't you see? Our imperfect fathers here actually highlight the perfection of God, our Heavenly Father. Fill in the blanks there if you want to. Our Heavenly Father fills in where our earthly fathers fail. Our losses from an imperfect, absent, or deceased father are only filled, only filled, only filled by God, the Heavenly Father. Psalm 68, 5, Father to the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in His holy habitation. After the worship service where the pastor preached and the old man got up and told the story about the boat, there were people that came and said... Came up to the gentleman they said that, that story was fantastic. That story was crazy. That story kind of blows us away. Like how could anybody do that? We understand. We kind of understand that God could send his own son. But how could any person, how could any dad take that one and only lifeline? The one and only and throw it to someone he doesn't know and barely knows and not throw it to his son. And the old man said, the old man was me and the pastor is the guy that was saved. I don't know if it's a true story, but I'm told that it's a true story. I don't know the names of these people. But you see what God wants to do in your life because of what he Did to his own son, Jesus Christ, the perfect heavenly father, didn't he? He left his son to die so that you and I don't have to. Do you see it? Do you see the lifeline? It's there for you. It's Jesus opening his arms to you today. Again, God throwing this lifeline out to you right now. Again. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you never believed in him to receive him as your savior today, right now, this is the place for you to receive that lifeline. And if you have, there's an area of your heart, isn't there? You know what it is. You're hiding from the Lord. There's a there's some depths of being in there where God wants to sanctify you, whatever that is. Where is it that God is throwing you that lifeline? He my son died for you there. Will you be sanctified? Will you receive? Will you be more teachable today? Will you receive more of my gospel? Will you repent of your sins so I can flood in with the forgiveness and hope for you right here? I urge you. I urge you. If you've never received Christ, today is that day if there's some sanctification that God needs to do, is asking, is calling upon you right now, that's the thing where you need to receive for him today. Will you pray with me that God will help you see that? And we'll be, we'll close. Almighty God, we bow before you. And you know our hearts. And you see what's on our minds. And you see what's in our Being. So we pray, Lord, that you would minister to the souls of your people here in this room. Perhaps there's someone who's never trusted you as their Savior, they've never grabbed a hold of that lifeline. Father's Day is a day for that. Perhaps there's a dad here who, who needs to confess of some sins or whatever his shortcomings are in his life, his failures among his children. And would you allow him today to receive and, and to grab a hold of that lifeline and believe and be sanctified in that place? And then, Lord, there are children, there are young people. We're, all of us here are children of somebody. And and as a result of that, we're from imperfect people and we've got pain, we've got difficulties in our lives. And would you allow us to receive and grab a hold of that lifeline? Would you do that now, Lord? Would you give us your peace and your help to do that? Would you bless your people to know and receive all that you have for them? In this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.